Uh, How do we any do cold this open one? you want to start with? Do we, need to, uh, <laughs> do we need to cough a little bit more? <laughs> no, let's not cough. That, I, I got a lot of bad reactions from the coughing. Ah, uh, I got, I got some good ones. I got some good reactions. If you got good reactions, we should probably just cancel the podcast now. That doesn't sound very good. <laughs> back at it again with our second episode of i think what we're calling the poor man's the Un- untitled the, un- the untitled, untitled yeah. poor man's film podcast that may change it may not we'll i think it's eventually. it's pretty pretty fun and quirky it's it's yeah. we're quirky we're, we're different we're not like the other girls tyler <laughs> hmm. uh and we we're here we're to doing. talk about movies Yes, that's what really matters. Always movies. Well, always always movies, movies, but something sort of. We have we have some goofs. We have some laughs. We we got some. Like I said, we're quirky. We're quirky. Just trust me when I say that we're quirky. We are so quirky. So okay, but uh, anyways, uh, the topic of today's episode is, uh, and and I'll do like a little magic transition kind of sound effect over this cinematography. Well, visual storytelling, but more specifically cinematography. More yeah okay so it's cinematography, but by telling the story in a visual sense yes yeah. so exactly what we've been saying perfect yeah. awesome yeah um but like do you want to include like production design and stuff in that too or are we just kind of well yeah, no yeah Pro- it's just uh, visual storytelling there we go yeah it, I think I just peed there I'm sorry I thought you said pee <laughs> <laughs> I, I peed as well just I got so bit. excited I peed um <laughs> but no so cinematography in the sense is uh capturing the image of the film and most of the time it's telling the story in a visual sense within most of shots you get you know dialogue you get action you get some sort of mm-hmm. um portrayal by an actor but sometimes there's moments in a film where everything's quiet. Maybe it's just music and sound effects. And with that is a visual story. It may be a cricket sitting outside a, a young boy's window chirping as he falls asleep. And that could talk about how restless he is. Something, something like that. It just illustrates something about the story or something about the character that helps progress the movie and uh, enhance the story as it goes along. And off the top of my head, one of the most creative kind of cinematic cinematographers out there is Robert David Yaman, and he works directly with Wes Anderson. And if you know anything about oh, Wes yeah. Anderson and his and his movies, if anything's quirky, it's Wes Anderson movies. Those things are always a wild ride from start to finish. Uh, Tyler, I know you know this, but um, Wes Anderson is one of my favorite directors and Grand Budapest Hotel is one of my favorite yes. films just for the sheer flair of all of it the the color the production design the acting the story the, the overall aesthetic it portrays it's just oh, yeah. in my eyes it's a beautiful beautiful piece of Absolutely. work and i, I really yeah. do cherish it um but in that movie you get some crazy awesome cinematography uh and wes is known for his his, his cinematography he's known for his symmetry he's known for his balance with also chaos mixed in uh, he's a very interesting director when it comes to portraying a story vi- visually. And he works hand in hand with the cinematographer, uh, Mr. Yaoman. And I'm pretty sure they've worked together on almost every single film for almost 20 years now or something like that. It's it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. I think the story behind the relationship is literally uh, Wes Anderson back in the day when he was working on his first film, Bottle Rocket. He reached out to... Uh, to David 
or to Robert, I should say. And um, after uh, Wes got some funding for the movie Bottle Rocket, he reached out to this guy and was like, hey, would you like to come on and, and be the cinematographer of my movie? And, you know, Robert was a more experienced dude at the time. And Wes was really just a kid, no older than you and I, Tyler. So it's just oh, the fact real? that, yeah, the fact that Dang. he came on just to help him out. Yeah. And then they ended up becoming almost lifelong partners. Best buds. It's, it's pretty it's pretty cool it's pretty awesome yeah it's pretty dope um but anyways so with let's let's backtrack back to grand budapest um <laughs> a little history there with the relationship but grand budapest is awesome because there's a, a you really do feel the sheer size of everything within it um within the movie wes and his production team kind of come together to create this this fictional uh eastern european country but with it, they they create a good sense of um, of flair. I already said that, but more so of of like I'm trying to think. How would you describe it? It's very vibrant, um, and everything has its own place, which is really yeah. cool. Um, yeah, just the way everything's framed, the way everything's shown. Um, I know a lot of his sets. Like I know there's a a thing where he's like in a train but it's like literally one car and they were able yeah to they're like pushing them off. and yeah. everything yeah it looks like literally they took a, a train car like a really tiny little train car and they just cut it in half yeah um and they just push him on a little track and I, I love that shot the behind the scenes and everything with that yeah that one's really cool um i mean there's just a lot of things in there that i'm sure that are just super easy filmmaking techniques that it's kind of just weird to be in hollywood because everything's so like cgi high like how hard can you make this yeah um and that's another so, good thing about him and his cinematography uh anderson in this sense is that anderson is very particular on for most of the time sticking with very practical shots yes. i don't think he usually does cgi and if he does oh, no. yeah. it's probably in like the smallest quantity possible similar to nolan when nolan doesn't have to do cgi he, he usually doesn't yeah um but um, uh i know for a lot of grand budapest to help establish this western european country to establish this this world that's like right on the border of for what us would have been in the 1940s um the or i should say the 1930s the the turn in europe of of the nazis taking power and right before the third reich really came into a social status in mm -hmm. in europe yeah so it's a country it's a country in conflict and you see that throughout the movie and subtle little things that that anderson and yaman do like in that train scene you're talking about when they're pushing the car, uh, you see a group of soldiers standing out in the field and yeah. they don't say anything until they come in. But you can understand that there's there's conflict. There's something wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just kind of helps create a tension throughout the film that doesn't really come back to play until the very end. And when it does, it comes back in full. And it's it's just a fun time. Like, I, I yeah. love that last shot or the last scene with like the gun battle of like two yeah. sides of two different armies just shooting in the, in the hotel and yeah, just and pure just panic around. yeah it's so they're it's just running through the middle of it and it's all yeah it's beautiful i love it it's i so love funny. it so much um There's but just... uh what i was saying is is wes uses uh miniatures he likes to create many sets yes. um it's also true so the hotel itself was a uh, what's the actual term i'm trying to remember do you remember what the actual term is it's not miniature yeah it is it is miniature it's a miniature i guess so that's the actual term Okay, cool. Anyways, yeah, anyway. back to it. <laughs> anyway, um, now that we've sounded dumb, let's move on. Uh, we're always dumb. It's okay. Yeah, we it's established okay. that last episode. But okay. um, with his miniatures, he really just helps en enhance 
this world. Um, and he takes a lot of inspiration from actual European countries. So I think in the, one of the very first shots of the hotel, when it cuts to uh, Mr. Gustav's Gustav's story, Gustav. not Gusto from uh, Ratatouille, but um, when it gets to the actual hotel story, you see a shot of a deer on top of a mountain right next to a rail car. And that deer on a mountain is literally taken from an actual statue in Switzerland, I believe. So throughout the entire movie, Wes and his people, his production team work together to to create to well, not to create, but to pull from prior existing pieces of art, prior existing pieces of culture and establishes establish them into this world to help create a better fluid yeah. transition of, yes, this is a real place. This is where people live. It's well established. It's it's actually very old. It, it's a home to many people. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes it feel more real than anything. And I think that's really awesome. Um, I want to talk about Grand Budapest and my favorite shot in the movie. And then we can move on to something else because I don't yes. want to get stuck on Grand Budapest yes. for the whole time. Yes. But uh, my favorite shot in the entire movie is when the main character and his girlfriend are on the... F- Mary Goround. And... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, this is the cheesy one that you see on all of the film accounts on Instagram. But to me, it's the most beautiful shot in the in the in the film, Yeah. Uh, because uh, our main character, our, our hero of the story, has just confessed his love to his his girlfriend, his his his, his baker uh, girl. other. Yeah. His baker girlfriend. Um. And he gives her a book of poetry and they smile. But what really matters is the moment after they exchange this gift, it cuts to a, a close up on Saz- what's her name? Sauzo Rowan. Is that it is? Is that what it is? Oh, I know. I, I know for guy. a fact I'm mispronouncing that. And I'm so sorry that I am. Anyway, the, the girl actor who very sorry. <laughs> the girl actor. How professional somehow at all for whatever reason hear this. I'm yeah. yeah. You can stop listening at this point. Well, please like, don't. I mean, don't. But like. <laughs> We're sorry. A- We're anyways, sorry. Anyways, anyways, they have they have her in the center frame. Uh, it's a very close up. You just kind of see the hope and and the love in her eyes. And what they do in this moment is they they kind of drown out the sound to where the music is very muted and it sounds almost dreamy. And the merry go round wheel they're on is is moving slowly and all the colors behind it. There's a nice bouquet, so it's. It's like those nice kind of fuzzy circles you'll get in your mm-hmm. eyesight sometimes. And it's just it's this beautiful shot of moving color and and love and passion. And you watch it and even thinking about it right now, I'm getting a little teary eyed because I just it, it, it instills so much emotion into the audience mm-hmm. that you really feel it does connected yeah. to that character. Um, and later on in the story, there's a scare at one part where maybe she's in danger and I remember the first time I was watching, I was literally like, no, I, it's it's that sucky thing of where it's like, come <laughs> on, I really liked her. Why? Dang it. Why? But gosh, um, dang it. No, that's the other thing. And I would love to talk about on another episode. Wes Anderson does a fantastic job writing characters. Oh, Each one of his characters yeah. is very interesting. They're actually full of some sort of drama of of, of drama, trauma. It's been fire over here. Um, but they're they're really just very filled out, very multi-dimensional characters and i can really appreciate that yeah they just they're full of life and it's really it's really beautiful the way that he writes them and portrays them it's 
And the actors themselves, all credit to him, absolutely killed it. Like, just destroyed it. Like, literally, to, like, lit it on fire, and it was great. I don't think um, there's really a bad performance in that movie. No, yeah. I think every actor kind of stands out in their own particular way. Absolutely. And just help, you know, elevate the movie to such a high status. Yeah. And I know you and I talk about this all the time. We talked about it just recently. Every time we watch that movie, we we oh, agree just, it gets oh, yeah. better with every time. Because it's like, you just appreciate more and more and more. Yeah. Um, but no, I would honestly, I would love to spend a whole episode talking about Grand Budapest because I, I really do just simply adore that movie. Oh, I, I love it yeah. so much. Absolutely. Um, but another movie that I really, really love and I think has an amazing sense of visual storytelling, an amazing sense of cinematography is uh, Wally, Pixar's Wally, um, which was yeah. directed by Andrew Staton. And Staton. Staton. Is that really how you pronounce it? Staton? Stanton? I guess it's Stanton. Yeah, I was about to say, what? <laughs> I'll say it like that. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Staten did a really good job with just kind of portraying <laughs> portraying humanity in uh, this cute little gross trash robot in his yeah. pet cockroach. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Let's just let's just kind of break it down from the very beginning. Like the very first shot you get are just, you know, pictures of space. They're they're drawings that the artist did of space. And you get this background song from some musical. I can't remember which, but it's like, listen, Barnaby, do 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 do. You know that one I'm talking about? It's a bop. If you don't, I, mean, I don't know it, but we have you seen Wally? You've seen Wally. I've seen. I mean, I know. I know this. Like, I know the song. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what musical is from. I, yeah. I thought that's. I wasn't asking. asking you that. I'm just saying, okay. do you know it? I was like, I, I've seen like three musicals and they were really good. And I need to watch more, but I've only seen like three. <laughs> now, throughout the series, we are having a tracker of every time Tyler sees a new musical and we will be adding to that. Yes. But if he's Any, naughty, anytime I, oh, anytime if he's I see naughty, movie, we'll take really. it. We'll take one down. We'll take a we'll take a notch down. If I'm what? If you're naughty, like naughty. If, if you if you stab a man. Oh, so then I have then I have to watch like an extra one to make up for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to write an essay about it. Today. An essay. Yeah. Bro, I got enough essays as it is. <laughs> I, got, I don't have time to write an essay about. <laughs> Anyways, Wally. Wally, it's a really, really good movie. But you have these these first shots of space and then it cuts to Earth. That's just polluted with satellites and trash. And we we track in and we, we fly through space, enter the atmosphere and we see what the world has become. It's this barren, gross wasteland that's just filled with like massive skyscraper level towers of trash. Um, and really, you, you it, it's funny because the editor and the writers and, I, you know, I guess even uh, Stanton in this moment did a great job with just contrasting that with the uplifting, happy music because mm -hmm. you have this bleak, disgusting world. And then you have this fun, listen, Barnaby, this fun, poppy musical music. And then we have our main protagonist, who's this cute little Wally robot. And he's this joyful little, uh, almost childlike piece of of gold. He's amazing. Um, and it's funny because looking at him as a character, he's a really well-written character, yeah. even though he never really has a line of dialogue. Is he just kind of goes like, visual? whoa. Get it? Visual storytelling. Whoa. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa. yeah. Whoa. It's, like, whoa. it's like the podcast title. That's crazy, dude. What? That's wild, dude. Okay. That's actually, you know, you kind of blew my mind there. Yeah, um, you, you didn't see that one coming. 
But I think Wally stands as a great testament to what visual storytelling can be because, you know, our main character is a robot. And like I said, his his pet, his best friend is a cockroach. His later soon to be girlfriend is another robot. And we don't really get any talking characters, any humans until about almost halfway or three fourths into the movie. Yeah. And even then, they're not the main character. They're the, they're they, the side they're character. Like, they're sucky people. They are sucky fat people. You sucky know, like real Americans. Real, real, yeah. They, I mean, it was, I mean, well, we can't we can't offend America. But uh, we can if we them. could, okay. if we could, it'd be like Americans. It'd be like it, theoretically Americans, Theori- theoretically but not. Americans, but like know, not. You know, yeah. You know, theoretically, in a sense, if we could just you know put our mindset in a different alternate reality, Americans. Yeah. Amer- Americans. 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 Like, but huh, like not, but like wink. Like, yeah, you can see me winking yeah, right now. Audibly wink. You know, audibly. I can't. I don't know if the winking makes a noise. But well, by you saying it did, wink, it's 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 people understand. Oh, wink. Cool. Um, great. Good job. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't um, know what that was. <laughs> but I mean, it's great because for the first half of the movie, you know, e- Eva's looking for. Uh, the plant, a plant on Earth, and Wally's looking to have some someone to make him less lonely. He's looking for some love, uh, but uh, you just get this great sense of storytelling because you can see how lonely Wally is. Like the shot I can think of off the top of my head is when Wally's in his tiny little um, home. It's like a giant jump truck or something like that, and mm-hmm. he puts on uh, the same musical from before, and they're singing a different song about love. And in that moment, he, he kind of puts his robot hands together, trying to re trying to reenact what the humans are doing on screen because he's lonely. He's sad. And you just kind of you start crying because it's this horribly sad little robot. And he's so sad. And you just want to jump through the screen and hug him because he's so lonely. <sighs> but yeah, he. <laughs> I've been I've been singing. I heard. Yeah. I heard. Yeah, that's going to be great to edit. Yeah, um, you're going to love that later. It, that that right there is is really what humanity is. Humanity is uh, a collection of individuals who constantly seek connection with one another. We're people who need people. Uh, there's introverts who can spend days without themselves or days without anyone else around them. There's extroverts that need people around them 24 seven. But at the end of the day, no matter who you are, People will always need people in their lives. So when you take someone, we take that ideology and you place it in something that doesn't necessarily have a soul, like a robot, and you're still able to portray that, you're instantly able to empathize with the character more. So with the beautiful shots of Wally holding his hands, with Wally uh, looking out into the sunset um, over like a gross, polluted... um, harbor with a bunch of like ships and he's holding Eva's hand and all that. It's like you get the sense of through cinematography and the visual storytelling that's happening there. You're able to empathize with the characters, even if they aren't even human. And that's the greatest thing because most Pixar movies are usually not human. They're usually some sort of animal or some sort of other thing. Maybe they're an emotion. Maybe they're a bug. Who knows? But most of the time, whatever they are, they can talk. This is one of the only movies, you know, it, I just realized I don't think Wally's Pixar. I've been saying that wrong. Wally's Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, everyone. If you've been mad at me this far, uh-huh. I apologize. And <laughs> I, I corrected there's just it. People, there's just people sitting at home like, 
these <laughs> idiots yeah Look at what why are these people recording a podcast? they don't know nothing they, they don't uh, know what they're talking about yeah oh we know every single thing ever <laughs> we're, we're, I'm a sophomore college student and I know everything about movies. No, I know literally. I'm a freshman. <laughs> don't ask me what that voice was. I don't know. I, it was, that kind of just came out of me. That has to be your only voice for every episode. <laughs> I'm a freshman. That, was that it? That was in it. Whoa. My voice took a hot second to switch back there. Um, Are you okay, Tyler? Do we need to talk? Um, hold on. Hold on. Uh, I'm only a. F- uh, sh- I forgot what I did. Um, it sounds like you're doing a really bad Stitch impersonation. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should just go as. Just a bad Stitch. I have to make family. Family is I'm a mixture of like very, very. I sound like Louis Armstrong. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Trees are green. Uh. So this is a part of the episode. We do this in every episode. We just have like a mental breakdown and kind of just start making voices. Yeah, it's just it, it's just it happens about every time. So if you haven't you seen okay? this before, it def- yeah, um, you, we good. Well, yes, we're good now. We're I'm good. We're good. good. OK. All right. We're good. We're good. OK. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, Stanton did a great job with just portraying emotion through a robot in that in that movie. And, and cinematography was a huge, huge part in that. Uh, every shot helped play out the story. It helped enhance the audience connection to Wally and his his friends. And at the end of the day, you you really can't watch that movie and not say that you you just love Wally, that you empathize with Wally, mm-hmm. that you want him to win. And a big part of that is through how cinematography told his story. Can I talk about one of my favorite movies? Uh, of course, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So this was a movie that kind of. It's not very, I mean, it's not a very, like, rating-wise, well-liked movie. Um, so so I apologize if you guys don't like this movie, but there is there is one movie out there that I've literally watched way too many times. Um, <laughs> the first, I mean, oh God, I forgot about that movie. Okay, the one I want to talk about right now is um, Guy Ritchie's uh, Sherlock Holmes. Um, the visual storytelling through, like, editing... Um, slash cinematography um all that stuff even through characters characters love the characters you can love them or hate them i love them um but especially in the action scenes he has a very unique approach to action scenes um, that's very very true very yes that's kind of what he's known for is his yes, action exactly. and how he had exactly. how his characters interact with action um and the way it's shown i guess through camera and editing but i believe they took so basically what happens is in in the let's take the first movie for example in the first movie um the first time we really see well the first time we really really see sherlock in action um is at a bar fight um and sherlock as previously established is able to basically like due to how smart he is like take like a split second like literally just a nanosecond and he can like literally play out like the entire fight in his head, which is just really, really cool. Um, and so basically what they do is they do this whole thing where I believe they shot at like a thousand, ten thousand, some just wild number frames per second. Um, I can believe that 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 checks out. If that's yeah, I, I've looked I don't, it up. I looked. I didn't even know if a thousand I, I've never even heard of anyone shooting a thousand frame, a thousand frames per second. But in if movies. they did, I 
I could actually see it possible because that scene is just yeah. so fluid. I mean, there's like the slow mo guys in like YouTube, and that's a great point. I, I uh, heard about that. I think they took like literally one of those phantom cameras um, and just shot it like literally at that high frame rate and then slowed it down. But the the camera work slash acting involved in that is really, 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 really neat. Um, the actor, I mean, they definitely full out went for punches, kicks, etc. Like, pretty sure stuntman got just beat up, and <laughs> I'm sure that sucked. But it looked really cool. So, in my opinion, it's it awesome it. as an yeah. audience member. When he he basically takes like just that second, he basically breathes in, and like this whole scene plays out in front of him. Like basically through every punch, you're able to see like the entire thing is he just like basically calculates exactly how, where he needs to hit. Um, the like best advantage hard, points, yeah, exactly. points to take him um, down. Cause like, as obviously shown, he is not the, he is definitely, well, physically the underdog in that, yeah. in that fight. Um, right. And just how, with how much easy takes down. So he like shows it all out, draws it out. You can see every little detail. Um, and what's happening and then he basically speeds up current time like that was basically bullet time this is like current time and then he just basically like just like it, it takes like literally less than five seconds maybe 10 seconds i don't know it was probably around five seconds it's a killer um, scene it's a it's it's a really just like a really cool way just to introduce like the character basically um and just that kind of mindset of he's just so freaking smart that he can like use his smarts to beat people up and it's really cool anyway um so a lot of that okay not necessarily cinematography cinematography although good was there wasn't anything in there that was like whoa um well i will say this one of my favorite shots in the movie is the very first one because it shows oh, the title yeah, yeah. The, it shows the logos of all the companies that helped out produce the yeah it goes the from movie the tracks, that's probably cgi and then transfers it's cgi in the into, cobblestone road yeah. and it pans up or it tilts up to uh, the cabin going down the street and then it cuts yep. inside to Watson and the uh, chief uh, his name it's a French name but I'm not going to yeah. pretend like I remember it um, uh, but it, you see I, just kind of the intensity between them and how they, they know something bad's about to go down yes um, and then cut to Sherlock just parkouring it over there um, which is really dope and that's where you kind of get the first thing um, but the other thing I wanted to point out was like for camera work style was um I believe it was Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows, um, the second one, where there is a scene where they are running away from a tank, um, like oh, a tank yes. fire yes, or yes, yes. something like that, or just some cannon. Um, but basically, they have one long tracking shot along the um, out, like the just like very far back. And I believe the way they did it, they shot it on like three or four different cameras at once. It was really cool. Um, but basically, there's one long track, and they're just running through the woods. But they kind of piece it together and pose to where it it like zooms in and out. There's a lot of again slow motion kind of showing stuff. But the way, like the amount of detail, like the amount of like the the things that he shows in the frame. Like I believe there's a shot. Again, if you haven't seen it, look it up right now because you won't know what I'm talking about otherwise. Um, but he uh, a bullet like they're running. They're running down the forest. Um, perpendicular at the camera. Um. Uh, parallel that's the word um and a like you hear a shot go off in the distance and basically time slows down and the camera rack focuses to a tree right in front of him where the bullet 
like the actual thing hits and just explodes and shatters. Um, the tree kind of basically just explodes and then it kind of comes back. That was totally unnecessary. Didn't need to put that in there, but really cool. Just visual detail that really just is like, whoa, that was really cool. Um, and again, kind of just visually like showing this tank, this cannon is just like not like it's going to screw you up if you get hit like there's you're kind of screwed. Um, kind of just emphasizing that, um, which that was just a really cool thing. Those are my kind of two big. I think points. a cool moment with that that helps kind of and kind of going off of what you're talking about right now mm-hmm. is everything around them is in slow motion. The actors are in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Everything's in slow motion. But as the tank fires, the, the shell it fires, or I guess the round it fires out of the out of its um, nozzle. I don't know what it's called. What do you call the tank thing? Uh, the the mu- I guess it's like a muzzle. The... I don't know. Anyways, the long pointy noodle thing. It shoots out of that. <laughs> and uh, the round that comes out of it is so fast that for us it's basically moving how it oh, should yeah, it's moving yeah. in time yeah, it's moving that. at actual speed while everything else around it is in super slow motion so the fact it's like it goes so fast the people are running and as they run just trees just kind of just like pop like popcorn explode around them uh and it's that's that's to me what is the really cool cinematography of the scene yes even though it is cgi for the most part Unless they actually got a tank, which I would, I don't see that happening. But um, that's a that's an OSHA nightmare right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that's the coolest part is is that you have an awesome mixture between slow motion and real time. Yeah. Real time and bullet time. How how it just works together. I thought it, that's the coolest part of it in yes. my mind. Uh, the other thing um, I will note is there's a channel out there called Corridor Digital Corridor Crew. If you haven't seen them, go check them out because they have some really cool stuff on there. But basically, they broke down the thing. I think they actually called up like either the DP or somebody that was working on the film, and they explained everything that happened in a little bit better detail. Um, but it's really cool. You should go watch that. That was just a little plug for them, Un- unpaid, unsponsored. But yeah, they're really, really they have cool. Some, they they got some really cool videos. They got a lot, like just a lot of good stuff. But there is one specifically on Game of Shadows, so would recommend checking that out. Um, and the other the other the other film really quick um because i don't that i mean i could talk about that movie for a while but yeah. the other movie that is, i just thought of is not no uh, is into oh. the spider-verse oh um, interesting okay yeah so really quick i'm sure pretty much everybody listening to this if you're a film person know this they did some really cool stuff with frames um yeah and how they shot it how they basically like like um they made it it. feel like a comic book like it felt more it felt more jumpy it felt more jumpy but um even just like the way they did like focus and lighting and stuff like that and it was just all through like these like dots um like like a comic book yeah yeah one of like the first or i think it was like the second or third time i saw i saw it literally in the front row of a movie theater in a recliner so i was just like laying all the way back and like watching it so it was, it was kind of a little wonky but at the same time you could like see all the little like intricate little details that they put in like the animation which was really really cool but yeah they did that they um they did the whole thing with the frame rates where as miles is first learning to swing um like swing and do all the spider-man stuff they actually animated him in 12 frames per second um versus compared Peter. to as compared to like, yeah, ev- literally Peter, who everything I think else was in 24. Him. Yeah, everything so else his, around him was in 24. His looks much more smoother 
versus yeah. Miles, who was jumpier to show that he was more naive. He didn't know what he was doing versus uh-huh. someone who was really experienced. Yes. Which is it's genius. It's the same thing as the Sherlock Holmes slowing down the tank shell scene of where it's like you get a good idea of of kind of how the situation is playing out, who's in charge, who's not kind of the danger or more so the excitement uh, that you're getting from that moment. Yeah. And that was just a quick little thing that I wanted to throw in there. We can dive into this in another episode because it, it, this deserves its own episode. It's so I, good. I love Spider-Verse. Um, Spider-Verse as a whole, I, I'm happy it won that Oscar. I, I That movie yes, really did deserve that it. deserved that Oscar probably more. I think um, that's one of the best Spider-Man movies or the best Spider-Man movie that's ever come out. I, at least in my opinion. My personal biased opinion is it is the best Spider-Man movie that's yeah. ever come out. There's definitely some flaws in there. Yes. I think it's just the story, the the characters black. they have, the music, um, the shots they create, the cinematography. It's all together. It's just a great experience. And the fact that they did purposely go out of their way to make it like a comic book is mm-hmm. really, really awesome, too. Yeah. Um, and there again, the one upside down building shot. Really cool. He's, he's just like gosh, that is probably the greatest shot in the entire he's movie. He's just flying upside down coming. Oh. Well, real quick, we can talk about that and then we can end it or we can talk about uh, Roger Deakins after yeah. this. I think we should talk about we Deakins do and we'll end it. Um, but I want to talk about that scene because I think, Tyler, I've seen I've sent you the screenplay. You've seen it before, too. Of um, <laughs> The writers, who I'm pretty sure are Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are mm-hmm. some really awesome creative guys. And honestly, if there's any writers out there I'd love to talk about besides like Taika Waititi or um, Wes Anderson or something like that, these are the guys I want to talk about because they are mm-hmm. probably some of the most funny, creative, comedic writers out there. But at the same time, they can make some really awesome dramatic stuff too. So Absolutely. in that scene that Tyler was talking about just now of, of Miles, when he first kind of builds up the courage to take his leap of faith and he jumps off the, the skyscraper in New York, uh, it cuts to a shot of him falling in slow motion. Um, but in, they, they flip the image on its head so that the, uh, the skyscrapers are pointing down. So it looks like miles is, is rising into the sky and the writers, uh, particularly they specifically in this moment wrote miles takes his leap of faith. And it, you know, that's not word for word, but to summarize, they say miles, miles takes his leap of faith. Uh, he's not falling. He's rising. You get the sense it's like this is his origin. This is how he comes to be. This like, is Miles at his greatest confidence. That uh, moment this right is there Spider-Man. is just where Miles just like became the Spider-Man. Like that yeah. moment right there is just him jumping off. And then that's like that's just his whole like that is like literally the point of just like from that moment on. He, He's he Spider-Man. Spider-Man in yeah. that universe. Yeah. Was, I, the first time I read the script of that part, I, I got chills at that part. I'm literally getting chills thinking about this. Oh my <laughs> God. It's okay. so good. All right. We should have an episode for that. I, I think so. We, we do need to like dedicate um, an episode. to. <laughs> but uh, we're going to wrap it up pretty soon here. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about is is probably the biggest one. And, yeah. you know, being a film student, we hear a lot about this dude all the time. I'm sure it comes off as as cheesy. It's like, oh, of course, they're going to talk about him. But, you know, I don't think you can have an episode about cinematography without talking about Roger Deakins, who, in my mind, and, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who think, you know, are like minded with me on this, agree that he is probably the most influential cinematographer of our time. Yes. The amount of movies he's worked on, the amount of shots he's created that become like basically icons 
in in cinematic senses. Uh, Fargo, No Country for Old Men, A Serious Man, True Grit, Skyfall, Prisoners, Hail Caesar, Sicario, Unbroken, Blade Runner 2049. That's a big one. He did a lot Mm -hmm. of crazy awesome stuff with that. I haven't seen that movie yet. I'm so sad. He he does a ton of stuff with uh, the Coen brothers. But Mm -hmm. I think the movie that most recently came out that really impacted me and uh, Tyler, I know it really impacted you too, is Sam Mendes' 1917, which just on its own was a fantastic movie. And I think, honestly, uh, I know you really love Parasite, but for me, 1917 was probably a tie between... Uh, Ford versus Ferrari for my movie of the year. Oh yeah, uh, I, I I 1917 no, blew me away. I was so excited for it. We actually watched it together. We saw it together in in theaters. We saw it together. We also saw it in like the back when we could go to theaters or something like that. Yeah, theater. we saw it in a massive theater with like the was, best speakers. Oh, I, I again getting it was an amazing experience. It. We were in like the, oh my the God. furthest row too. We were in the way back. Yeah, we I, it was literally watching it in that literally just made the film for me. Like all all like. Even if the film kind of like wasn't as good, like just sitting in that and experiencing it. Okay, if it wasn't as good, was it wouldn't have been as good. But the fact that I was gonna say, I don't know, it's kind of a really good movie. (laughs) Uh, The fact that it was that good and we got to experience it in that just level of just uh, like just oh, it literally blew my mind. Um, I I I literally was just like chills like throughout the whole movie. Like I get chills not super easily, but. When like something clicks and I can just feel it, like that's my reaction. It's just like hair rising, and you're just like, oh, like just, uh, I don't know what noise that was, but that basically <laughs> just that kind of feeling of just like, yes, <laughs> um, um <laughs> yes, nice. It's um, it's an amazing film, and uh, before the podcast, we were talking a bit about it, and you you made a good point in saying, and I think that it should be known. It's like it's not a revolutionary film. There's yeah. been a lot of films that have done the kind of one take feel. I know Birdman's one of them. There's one Russian film I've I've heard of, I've studied before, but I don't remember what it's called because I I'm a human and I can't remember every single thing. Yeah. Um, but I know I think before 1917, Birdman was the biggest movie for like mm-hmm. kind of the one take the one feel. take yeah. Um, but 1917 is just I I was spellbound by it. I, I was I was awestruck the the story it told the empathy you felt with the characters. It was all great, but nothing really compared to the cinematography, mm-hmm. nothing compared to the sense of you're traveling with these guys. You're, you're there with them. You, you feel what they feel. You, you have the same adre- adrenaline as yeah. they do. Uh, and it's just, you get some really crazy shots with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and talking about like using just the camera to tell the story. Um, like when you're, when you're running like there's scenes where they're just like running through the trenches and stuff like that and it's not just you're watching them running through it and it's like oh that's cool like you are running you're through there the trenches with, with you yeah. you are crawling under those obstacles you are falling down the waterfall you are swimming like getting pulled down this river like you are in the film and that was what was like one of the biggest things for me it was yes one take awesome but the fact that it, it pulled you in like just so much like that you felt like you were yeah. actually there. There were moments sitting in that theater that I was—I actually s- forgot it was a movie. I was so there with the characters, there with the story. I was like, I, mm-hmm. for a second, totally forgot that this was my reality, that this is a movie. And that's that's really the goal of a movie, is to pull you in that much, to en- entice you that much, and leave you in a- enchanted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, 
all things considered, I know we're running out of time here. It was a beautiful film. Even like, like what's in frame was just gorgeous. There was a, he was floating, he was floating down a river and I think there was like petals falling around him and floating in the water next yeah. to him. And in contrast, there was like a pile of bodies <laughs> yeah. like up against the lock, but it was just such a beautifully. That moment could be, it's just even film. in it's such a deadly environment where he, this man is surrounded by death. And he he knows he has a mission to do. He knows he has to save lives. The pedals can be a sense of hope that it, it, he he needs to keep carrying on, even after he's hit his low. You know, his his partner has 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 been killed. He's on his own. He's been beaten. He's been attacked. Uh, he's he's scared, and he, he's he's losing hope. But at that last second, you know, he he jumps. He he lives. He jumps in the water and takes him down the stream. And you you get a sense of he could do it. Yeah. He could actually do it. And especially you get that more so when he crawls over the bodies, comes onto land and sees a bunch of troops sitting there. And he realizes they are a part of the troops he's come to save. Yeah. So he's like, I still have time. I can make it. And, you know, OK, let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it. Let's get out of the way. Let's get out of the way. This is the last thing we'll talk about today and then we'll stop. But the greatest scene in that movie, and they used it in every trailer because it was so awesome, is a very like basically one of the last shots of the movie is where the main character is running Climax. across the field yeah. as the battery as the battle starts the battery the battery as, as the battle the battery starts runs out. and it's you know you have uh i think it's thomas newman paul newman uh you have it's the same composer as finding nemo that's all i know about um, but you have uh the composer score in the background creating this epic sense of, of glory and you have him running full speed kind of have the tom cruise pumpy arm run going but it's this awesome awesome scene with like hundreds of extras and screaming and there's gunfire and throughout the entire time they have the camera mounted on this truck and the director's in the truck the cinematographer's in the truck they're all in this truck and they're driving across this field and the main character's running straight this like directly towards the truck and i watched a, a little breakdown about that scene and the fact is is like he runs for he runs full speed for probably like close to 30 seconds straight it's a it's a good amount of time. And yeah. uh, in that time, he's running in between like hundreds of extras who are running towards battle with guns and bayonets and yeah. stuff. I think there's so there's like two point. points where he he falls down and trips and keeps running. But like just fell like down, tripped over an extra or something like that. And they were just like, like, he just kept going. They're like, that's the one. <laughs> I think that that shot in particular, that particular moment in time is the highlight of the movie. Because, you know, you have the tracking stuff. You have the sense of it's the one take, but not throughout the entire movie. But that scene is, in my opinion, the most important because of the one take sense. Because, you know, you follow the guys, you get you feel like you're there with them. But only in that scene do you understand the the importance of what he is doing. Do you understand yeah. the mission he has come? Because he realizes he is this close to finishing. He is this close to saving these people's lives. But it's already it, time's already it's over. He it's the battle starting. People are already dying. So he's running. He's trying his hardest to do something. He wants to save someone. And, you know, it, you, you just get you see it. You see it as he runs the de determination in his eyes, the 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 power, you know, left in him. He uses all of it. And he just keeps running. He gets knocked down. He keeps running. He gets knocked down, keeps running. He is a man of fury. And it's the crazy awesome mm -hmm. powerful scene because that shows what humanity can be about bringing it all the way back from wally and everything to to humanity because humans are dangerously passionate creature creatures 
<laughs> when we get set on something, we can like follow it to the very end. You know, yeah. people die for glory. People die for a cause. This man in that moment, he risked his life. He could have died on the battlefield. He risked his life to save thousands of soldiers. Um, and you, you just see it in his eyes. You see the sense of I will I will fight. I will put my life on the line to save all these others yeah, because great. that's what that's what needs to be done. That's what good is. And it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And I I love it. I love that movie. Sam Mendes did a great job with directing. Roger Deakins did a great job as usual. He's kind of just the go to cinematography guy in Hollywood. And I, I really do think that he will go down in history as probably one of the best, if not the best cinematographer, uh, at least for our Gen- current generation yeah. and the generate like the two generations before us. But yeah. Um, and yeah, just one last quick thing, because I know we're basically running over time right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in the sense of just visual like storytelling through the camera work, um, that is also one of the first shots. I believe it starts out. It starts out. He's run. Uh, camera person is running through the trenches with a gimbal like with a steady cam um he's running backwards like tracking this uh tracking the main character who's running like towards him through the thing you're right there with the character as he is running just climbing over people as they're rushing out and there's explosions happening and you there, there's just a sense of panic and yet determination there um and the camera then at that like after a little bit loads onto a, the truck that we were yeah, talking about the truck that goes out and i believe that is actually one of the like thinking back not not one of the first but it is one of the most impactful moments to go from that close intimate just right up to that, that wide shot to just slowly pulling out and revealing just absolute chaos just unfolding yeah. around him you and full you on just, just you take in every single element of 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 how intense that moment is i like i like the word to use of how chaotic it is yeah and just the um God, lost her train um pulling out is kind of just that is one of the first moments where you kind of pull out of the character you pull out of that small little story and just show this big picture that's finally unfolded like it's been very intimate up to this point but right then it just gets like you realize the whole scale of it as as colin was saying earlier um that is just like this literally is like war where people are dying around him by the second like there are like it is about average probably about one person every second i would guess during that scene maybe, maybe not maybe every like 10 seconds or so. <laughs> but basically that is just it, it's just so cool to see it go from that and then i believe it comes back down into the trench again to finish it off but in that moment you fully do grasp the whole like just this is what is at stake and you can see it in like his character. Like he realizes that um, it's just such a cool, such, such a cool moment. And I'm again, visually one of the best shots in that film. Oh, um, I think it's the best. Um, I think there's a lot of visually awesome shots in it, but yeah. nothing is as important as that shot. But story wise. Yeah. Um, might be cheesy for some of you. Maybe you don't agree with me, but that is, I mean, yeah, it, it was whether or not it was the best. It was a very good shot. It was just a very like purposeful <laughs> shot. Um, yeah, it, it, it was beautiful in that sense. But well on that note, I'm going to call it because it's 
we're probably like 15, 20 minutes past when we said we were going to go to. We're, we're getting there anyways, but yeah. We get passionate. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, the Untitled Poor Man's Film Podcast. And really quick before we go, um, I just want to point out that we are on YouTube right now. Um, this is kind of where we're at. That's where the first episode's at. I believe we have figured out a way to get it onto Apple Podcasts, so we should be able to upload to there shortly. Um, and if we don't, I apologize. Probably by the next episode, we'll be good to go. But we will be up there. We will be on Spotify. Um, be sure to share with friends. This is I know this isn't like, for some people, this might not be the most exciting thing. But if you're super passionate about filmmaking, um, I think you'll enjoy this. I think this is just a fun thing to listen to. Yeah. Um, and share it with some friends who you think might be interested too because i honestly we talk a lot about cinematography we talk i mean not cinematography we do but we yeah. talk a lot about movies and i mean it's great if you're a film student or it's great if you love movies but honestly i think there's a lot to come out of what we talk about in sense of of entertainment but also of of life itself because i think there's a lot you can learn from movies that can affect life yes and that's and- i like talking about that a lot so i mean you know Share it with everyone, anyone you can, really. Your mom, your dad, your cousin, your brother, your dog, just anyone yeah. you can. Um, and yeah, at this point, we're basically philosophers now. Um, yeah, we're pretty much so just the cool. smartest men in the world. We, so. we basically know life itself and we know the meaning of it. Um, so you should probably listen to us because we know what we're talking about. Definitely. We we know everybody's names, as you saw in the podcast. And we're yeah, we're basically According the to my Chuck E. Cheese right ID now. card. I'm 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 the man who runs NASA. So just, you know, take that yeah. and understand its truth and, and don't question anything. That's all that matters. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, um, uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe if you like what you hear. And uh, like Tyler said, we're hopefully going to get all of this stuff onto Apple Podcasts and Spotify very soon. And finally, my name is Tyler Scrove. And I'm Colin Hodgson. And thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>